Hello, this is Laura Camacho and the Speak Up podcast. And today we are going to interview Mark Reifenrath, who is the owner of this national coverage digital marketing agency called Spinutech. He's based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And by the way, there's a good communication school at the University of Iowa there. So Mark is going to talk with us about culture, about onboarding, about that his company is famous not only for having grown and multiplied and covering uh, the whole you know United States and its services, but he had very low attrition, extremely low. So I thought with the talent situation, he would make a great guest today. So I'm excited to introduce Mark Reifenrath to 155 The Speak Up Podcast. All right. So welcome, Mark. It's good to see you. I appreciate your coming on the Speak Up podcast. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you came to get into the digital marketing business, why your company is called Spinutech, and tell us just a little background. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Laura. I'm really excited to be here. Like you said, my name is Mark Reifenrath. I'm one of the founders and current CEO of Spinutech. We're a team of digital experts that focus on lead generation for clients through all things digital. And we're really good at that. We deliver awesome leads for our clients, but we also have a very strong focus on our culture and core values. That's how we hire, fire, lead, manage, and solve problems with. Uh, we've got five offices, about 170 team members across the US. Uh, we have a lot more offices if you wanted to count all those remote ones, which I think is an interesting wrinkle in today's culture and how you attack that. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I started in college, so didn't have a lot of experience, but uh, found our way with culture along the way. So excited to talk about that. Great. That's awesome. So those of you who may not know, just last week, I was down in Jekyll Island, Georgia, which is a lovely resort area on the beach. So of course, was I going to turn that invitation? Absolutely not. And I was speaking to a group of organization, association executives about culture building leadership. So I was talking to the, you know, the leaders of these smaller, well, not some are small and some are not so small associations. And of course, you can't talk about culture without talking about core values. But someone asked me, so Laura, how do you come up with your core values? Because I've addressed you know, tweaking them, going over what they mean, what behaviors show those values in action and what value and what is not, you know, say integrity in action. But I've never led a company going from no core values to a list of them. So Mark, why don't we start off with, tell us how to do that. (laughs) I think this is a great question. So how do you define and make your core values actionable? So it's kind of funny when we started in college, this wasn't a, to us, it wasn't a thing. We didn't know core values and vision and mission statements and all that stuff. So we really, I would say coasted on that for the first eight years, then started to talk about it. And we really didn't write it down until 2016 ish, I would say, which is kind of shocking if you really think about it, but in a meetup with Mark, I do these quarterly meetups with myself and the, and the team, and we still have our first team member. And this debate came up of, you know, about our core values. And it, it was awesome because people are really defending them. And it was, it was a positive rant about that. And Eric speaks up and said, the beauty of our core values is that we've always had the same core values. They've just gotten louder with time. So my point of that, of how do you define your core values is it has to be a lived, not aspirational thing. That's number one. And as a small company, when you start, those core values are 
very likely closely aligned to who you are or who the ownership group is as individuals. If it's not, there's going to be an instant conflict right out of the gate. And so our core values have maybe evolved over time. And I would say just become more succinct. So we used to have maybe eight today. We have four and, but they're still at the core the same, but they've gotten more articulated and, and stronger, like Eric said. And I think that's great. But I think the important here, thing here is no matter your size, when you try to set up a aspirational set of core values, you might've already failed. So it has to be a lived set of systems. When somebody gives somebody a compliment, it's accompanied with which core value or values is it aligned with. So it's a daily thing for us. It's just weaved into our DNA of who we are that makes it much, much easier. Now, small company, that's easier. Big company, Mm -hmm. obviously, those are forced upon you when you enter. And so I do believe with your team, though, you can mold them and maybe have a subset that still aligns with those, but that works for your team to make them as actionable and lived as possible. I love that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I truly am convinced that people talk about some cultures being toxic, but because in a a super large company with 100,000 employees all over the world, I mean, obviously it's not going to be the same in every single team and location. But if you're the, if on your team, you can, like you said, have a a subculture or a co-culture and, and even I think the values, this is another question I'd like to ask you, because I think that there is a lot of similarities in people, in companies. Like there's usually one related to honesty or integrity. Mm-hmm. There's usually one related to respect, and that could be the same. There's usually one related to being nice to customers and and getting the work done in a, in a good way. What do you think? Do you think, do you see, it's just like a little, but it's a little different way of saying it or a different emphasis. What do you think? Absolutely. So uh, I'll, I'll say ours as an example, because it does touch on a lot of those. So we have four, like I said, so we get better every day. That's our growth mentality. It's uh, our Notre Dame sign that we tap every day before we walk onto the field of play of, of work. Our second one is we own it. So we own our wins. We own our losses then, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the spot here. So we give it every day. We own it. We do the right thing. So there's your, your one about that. And sorry, I'm messing up on this really bad. That's okay. So, While you're thinking, I'm just going to put in a plug for my book that has a lot of stories about smaller companies and their values. And, and I like it when people state them as a sentence, like this is what we do versus integrity. But of course you can do it either way. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And I agree completely with that. So yes, like I said, so we get better every day. We do the right thing. And the one I forgot is my favorite one. We over me. So this is all about being a team player and and not the I or my mentality that a lot of corporate America tends to breed. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's all, you know, team members, I, I think words matter. So we don't call people here employees. We say team members because team members come to be part of something bigger than themselves and do great work with others. Employees come to check boxes and check clocks. Mm -hmm. And so there's a rewiring that we try to do when somebody comes into the organization to get that mindset thinking. And listen, here's a great, great little phrase. You never have a problem giving somebody 
a job they want when they're already in your organization, when they're already doing it. As opposed to, I want this job because I did this, I did that. As opposed to, as a team, here's what we did and blah, blah, blah. And the leaders are going to come to that person and say, you deserve this job. You, mm-hmm. you need this job. Like, we think you're already doing an amazing job at this. Would you be willing to lead this team or whatever? And that makes it much, much easier. So that mindset is a different one than ladder climbing and what it is about me and myself. I want to jump in on that. It's such an important aspect because a lot of people, okay, a lot of my clients, probably 90 plus percent are identified more as introvert than extrovert. Of course, it's a spectrum. Of course, it's not to say that they're all, you know, socially awkward or like I am, but they are on the introvert side of things. And they feel like often that they're overlooked and yet they don't want to be braggadocious and be like, well, I did this and I did. And I always say, brag on your team. And if you're the leader, that glory reflects on you. Everybody knows you're the leader. Would you agree? Yes, uh, good leadership. And I think the people that are trying to take claim to all of it, even in an interview, that's something we want to ask about. We're trying to sniff that out. Tell mm-hmm. us about a time you, you succeeded. So we try to trap them into that. And are they going to give some of the credit to their team? And if they don't, you'll say, now, who else was involved in that project? And you see how they answer that then. So you kind of keep probing that, that three deep on that question to see how much they'll give you. And if for us, if they're just going to always bring it back to them, that's going to be a huge red flag for us. That probably means they're not a good fit for us. So yes, again, if you're doing it, people are going to notice. And if the team always knows who's really leading the charge, and so it will come up organically uh, through the team and, and their feedback. Right. But not only does the team know who's leading the charge, but the boss of the team, you know, the boss of the boss also knows or else the problem is more serious <laughs> than than we like to think. But yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it is. Uh, you don't have to worry about what you did. It's what what did your team do? And, and it's so much easier to sell other things, to sell other people, to brag on. And that's what you should be doing. That's that's absolutely because if you got people to deliver great results, well, then that even if it's all them and not you, which, of course, it's not because you attract to that. You probably hired them or trained <laughs> them or encouraged them or uh, inspired them. It's going to it's going to make you uh, look good. So, Mark, I want to ask you, you mentioned that when you were. Uh, you know, starting your company that you weren't really thinking about culture. I didn't either. And in fact, I remember out of college, nobody was talking about culture back in the day. It was just like, how much are you going to pay me? What am I yeah. going to learn? Um, that kind of thing. So, so why do you think today everybody is talking about culture and culture fit? Well, it's, it's a, I'll say a selling factor for the talent wars right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. For us, our culture is critical because we are in the people business and our people, our team is by far our largest asset. We don't have, you know, manufacturers have equipment. That's by Mm -hmm. far their biggest asset. And they pour a ton of resources into making sure that that asset is taken care of, maintained, able to produce at all times at the highest amount. If it needs rest, like it should only run so many hours a day, it does our people are our biggest asset. And I don't want to call them machines by any means. They're not. 
Of course we have not. to make sure that they are taken care of on all levels, not just from a work perspective. As an individual, how are they feeling? What are their stress points? Can we eliminate those? So we need to take care of them on all fronts. And if they're happy at work, at home, uh, that they have good hobbies, that they can, we give them the time to do those hobbies outside of work. They take the PTO we give them and actually recharge their batteries. So we have two data points on our team. If you work more than 43 hours a week, red flag goes off. If you haven't taken PTO in 90 days, red flag goes off. And those aren't, it's, it's a very positive thing. We want to make sure that that individual is getting the time to not work. We structure our, our world is structured off a 40 hour work week, which is rare for the agency space, but yes. we believe that that's a, an advantage. So that all goes back to that culture. Culture is so many things. It's, it's not, you know, ping pong, <laughs> beer right. pong, whatever. That's, that's really, that's a lie about that stuff. It's, the, how, how do you feel when you're working? How do you feel when you're working with your team? What pride do you have in the work you're doing as a team? And so we actually have a dedicated person to culture for our team. Oh, about tell me about that. Tell <laughs> me about that. So, so that person only works on culture. Tell me, cause I, yes. I think you can, you can have that of course, but you can also have somebody who has culture among their rest, other responsibilities. Lay yeah. it on me. Tell me how to, what does this person do? Your culture person. What is that title? Yeah. So, uh, oh gosh, title, good one. Um, I, I am not sure. She, she transitioned into this job. So I would just call her like director of culture in my mind. Okay. Um, yeah. But she is leading everything from uh, right now, we're doing a spin you trek, uh, TREK. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. trying to walk uh, across the country to the different offices and some of the locations and stuff. So different team members sign up. We did this last summer. It was a huge hit. Uh, great creates great social media content as well. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also uh, mindfulness seminars. It's uh, there's one of our team members does uh, yoga every other Friday. Um, there's a gal on the team that is a Zumba instructor. She does that every other Monday. I think it's different things like that. And and. Here's the thing that I think we've all either learned or need to know during COVID is the shelf life of these virtual events or engagement mm-hmm. things is very short. And Correct. so we need to have somebody like Rachel, who is very high energy, very passionate about this. She gets the speedy tech culture, constantly thinking about what next, what could we do that's different? How do we get all team members engaged? Because the virtual happy hour we all started with well, not everybody drinks, not everybody likes that. It was virtual. It was different. It was awkward and it didn't last that long. And you saw people just gradually pulling back from it. We did a virtual cooking show over Thanksgiving. What an awesome (laughs) thing, because now we're humanizing people even more. And they got into it. They were in their kitchens. Somebody showed how they did their turkey. Somebody did a cocktail, a side, a dessert. And their passion and their personalities came out at a different level than you would see in a meeting. Mm-hmm. And so those are great ideas of just constantly pushing. So she does really good at that, trying to get that engagement and touching people from all teams, all different backgrounds, because not everybody's going to like the spinning track or not everybody's going to like the cooking right. show. So how do you have the things that touch all the different things? Lots of Slack channels for different interests, mm-hmm. gardening, fishing, outdoors, concerts, whatever. I mean, there's, I don't know how many there are, but there's a lot. And she kind of helps foster all those things to create that engagement and loyalty, especially Mm -hmm. in this virtual environment. I love that. Yeah. I heard it some company, I don't remember. It was technology 
I think, that has a vice president of culture. I've heard of uh, companies having the culture manager. And I really do think there needs to be one person where if I have a culture question or suggestion or complaint that I can go to, I just like how, how, what are the deliverables for your, like, how do you know if she's, how do you measure her success? Yeah, that's, it's, it's hard. Cause that's not a, a super tangible thing, right? Just like culture isn't, I and mean, it's, it's a right. amoeba that molds and shifts. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, we do have a, we use lattice. It's an internal like pulse survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes. it's our, our, I say TNPS team net promoter score. It measures that, but also just engagement. And so it gets feedback on how we think we're doing from a health and wellness perspective, from a stress level, workload, type of work, your leadership, all those things. And so that's a good indicator, but I would just say also just the engagement on those activities and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, a a very simple kind of thumb in the air for me is, am I hearing stuff about it? Am I hearing people positively talk talk about those things? Because Tickets to me, that's a really good sign. And, and you do like anytime I bring up this individual, they're like, oh my gosh, she's awesome. I like more of her in my life is good. Yes, that is so, so but she did something else before she became director of culture. Yes. And I this is actually, I think, a good cultural alignment thing too. So she started as an account person. So somebody that would mm-hmm. work with our clients, kind of guide that, um, you know, the day-to-day stuff, kind of like the PM, a project manager, but more mm-hmm. account level, the relationship. And she was good at that, but she she wasn't really feeling passionate about it. And so there was probably a point where I'm going to assume she was ready to leave and go someplace else. Our talent team got involved, director of talent, and Kim said, well, let's talk about what do you really want to do? Mm-hmm. And well, you, and she had kind of been naturally doing some of these cultural things and taking ownership of that in, in one office. And we had said, well, we're actually been talking about this role. What if you kind of morphed into that? And it was, you know, eyes open up, get big, run towards it. And this is a good question to ask. Are you running away from the company or are you running to something? Running away is a bad situation, right? Running to, right. You can, that's fine. You, you maybe should do that. But right. we stopped up probably running away for the wrong reason and we're able to reposition somebody. And so if you hire the right people, and this is a great example, she was the right person. She got her culture. Uh, she was a good fit. And we found the right way to use her talents. And we've had over the years, tons of these stories where somebody started as a, you know, a developer. Now they're on the data team. Uh, somebody started mm. as this, and then they shifted over here. Totally cool with that. If we've got a good person, they're a good person. Let's keep them on the team. Good talent's hard to right. find, right? <laughs> it is. It is. And it's, you know, I also, <clears throat> you know, I, I've talked to people from so many companies and I can tell, these are the examples I give when you know it's a good culture. And, you know, the one, the examples you're giving are out, outstanding, but I'll, also I, like I have a, a client who bent over backwards to help his daughter get employed at the same company. I've had people say, my boss is a pain in the butt, not good, but I don't want to leave the company. I've um, Or I want to change teams, but I do not want to leave the company. I mean, that, that is the, uh, uh, that's the kind of the litmus test is that, do you want to stay there and do you see a future there? And and also with you being the owner of a smaller company, uh, I I see that employees really, really, really want um, growth. And if you're a regular, you know, if you don't have, 
70,000 employees, so your uh, ladder is not that long. What do you, how do you speak to that? I think the being able to switch areas, like how do you, how do your employees feel like they're, they're growing even when they can't move up necessarily right away or at all? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So we do have growth opportunities. We, we are relatively speaking small, but we are growing. So that creates mm-hmm. natural opportunities okay. for new positions that get added that mm-hmm. obviously would love to pull those from internally first because they Correct. know the system, they know the thinking, they know the culture. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we do for everybody, we call it, we're going to change the name to GB8. We currently call it GB24. So it's our get better eight hours a month. And so we allocate, again, digital marketing for a typical strategist. So let's take somebody that does paid media. Mm-hmm. We would, the max we would allocate them is 34 hours a month of billable time. The remaining six are what we would call their get better hours. That That's where the 24 comes from roughly. Mm-hmm. And that could be internal meetings, uh, all team meeting that we have once a month, stuff like that. But two of those hours are intended to be for their self-development. And I'm, I love sports. I love sports analogies. People on a sports team, when they go to practice, they're not all doing the same thing. The whole practice at some point, there is individual things that you're working on to get better at, to help make the team better. Mm -hmm. And so we need to do the same thing. So, uh, you know, this is kind of that strength and conditioning coach mentality. We want to really hone in on what does Laura need to get better at? And you work with your leader, your manager on what those are kind of put that down and then come up with a plan to attack that. There's certainly things that work for the whole company, presentation, training, mm-hmm. uh, difficult conversations, some of, some of the stuff like that. But mm-hmm. as a developer, you may need to get a certification with Microsoft or whatever. Uh, and, uh, our data team, they're going to get the Google analytics certification, our face, Facebook, our social team, they need to get those certifications. So those are the, the obvious ones, but then it's the, what are the other skills you need to really dig in on and get better for? If you're doing those things and we see that growth, you're naturally again, going to be doing the things that it needs to get to the next level. Um, I think the challenge with the way that in the U S we look at climbing or growing in an mm-hmm. organization yeah. is it has to lead to leading people. Not everybody right. should lead people Correct. just because you're great at SEO or you're great at social media or paid media means you lead the team. They're mm-hmm. different skill sets oftentimes. And so we have to be very cautious to make sure we can provide a growth path. And I say you can be a silent leader, a vocal leader, leader, and a labeled leader. They're very different though. I love that. The silent leader. Cause I do. Yeah. I talk to a lot of individual contributors and I feel like I, I have a team of uh, part-time 1099 people that help me, but I mostly am a silent leader because I'm, you know, <laughs> a service provider uh, doing coaching. And I talk to a lot of, a lot of people struggle. They, there's a perception that if I'm not leading people, then I'm not successful, but it's not true. And not uh, I love that. I'm going to use totally steal that term of being a silent <laughs> leader. Yeah. That's very good. Well, uh, Mark, we have to get to some of the things that I promised the audience we were going to address. And one of them is you emphasize a lot about the first hundred days of work and also attracting A players. So you may want to talk about that first, but attracting A players and the first hundred days. Give me some wisdom on that. Yeah. So obviously the talent wars have you know, just been at a heightened, uh, very high level the last couple of years. COVID kind of spun us into a really weird cycle with that. 
And for us, it opened our minds to, we used to, we've always had this mentality, the best person for the job, but there was an asterisk in a market. We have an office now it's <laughs> best person for the job. And mm-hmm. we don't care where you're at U S based primarily, but um, mm-hmm. we've entertained some, some time zone, maybe zone areas that were out of the U S but point is we've got close to 40 people that are not in a, in a market that we have an office in. And those are people from my perspective, we never would have gotten them pre-COVID. They never would have known us. We would have never known them. And it's such a beautiful thing. The background that they bring to the table of experience and their upbringing is awesome. And so we've been able to attract a lot of great A-level talent because of that. Now, a lot of A-level talent isn't looking. They're typically pretty happy. And so we do have a couple of people on the talent team that are recruiting, just like a lot of companies are now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a little bit of robbing Peter to pay Paul, but (laughs) you know, we do have to stay active. We only hired 0.06% of applicants last year. So we have a very strict process. So even if we find somebody who we think is an A player and they may be skill set, may be awesome, but if they don't pass that culture check, they're out. And so again, how does that culture check? Is the culture check just certain questions like the one about what something you did? Yeah, exactly. And we're just trying to pick up on ego, arrogance. Uh, yet, how are they aligning with our core values without just saying, reading them and saying, what do you think about that? We're trying to get them right. to organically respond to that. So that very first screening call, that's exactly mm-hmm. what that's about. That, so we're re- our process is long. I'm sure it's frustrating to some, we've gotten beat up on Glassdoor a little bit about that from, from people that haven't gotten hired. Mm-hmm. I actually take it as a compliment. I know they're frustrated, <laughs> but they're frustrated because they didn't cut it. To, to our level. Mm-hmm. And, right, and so, right. you know, if we're going to get beat up, that's a good one to get beat up on. The team is, they're great defenders of our culture. And that happens in the hiring process. So that's assuming we got that A player to the table. Okay. So let's say we got them through our process of hiring, which is very stringent, but they made it through it. I do the last interview. I'm that's that final gut check of, of culture. I ask one question. This is a fun one. What's your walk-up song or entrance song every morning when you wake up and walk to your desk? It's the only question I ask. Uh, aside from maybe where are you located right now? Cause it's, it's occasionally they're in a market. You're like, Oh my gosh, we could meet in person really soon. But, uh, that's just to get them thinking on their feet. And I want to allow them to ask me any questions they want from a culture on core values perspective. And I'm curious what questions they are going to ask. Okay. So they've said, yes, we've got an offer. Now the first 100 days, it's the most critical time to get that individual one, inject your DNA of your culture and your core values into that individual and build loyalty in this market right now. Engagement and loyalty. So uh, my goal for day one, best day, first day you've ever had. Somebody that night is going to ask you, "How was Laura, how was your first day? So it could be a roommate. And it's always terrible. It's always terrible though. <laughs> oh, I had to fill out all this paperwork and <laughs> yep. HR, HR, HR. No, so- how do we personalize that and make it a little bit special? And again, it's not in office now. So mm-hmm. all their equipment's going to show up before their first day. They're going to have a little bit of a swag uh, packet show up as well. So they'll have some swag that's branded with Spinutech. Um, and then day one, we've got this great schedule that they go through. I try to get in front of them on day one and do a cultural and core values overview with them. Mm-hmm. If it's important to you, it should come from you. That's an important one. It's an important, if it's, important to you, it should come from you. So I deliver from my mouth, those core values and why they're important to me, why I so strongly believe in them, why as a leader, I have to have a perfect record with all of those core values. 
So day one, we try to go over the top. What's a $20 or less indulgence that we could provide to them on that, that first day? Snickers bar, uh, whatever. We, we want to try to incorporate that and, and use that ongoing as well. But those first 100 days, um, I do a handwritten note myself at day 30. I do a six-month check-in, which is post 100 days, but a six-month check-in with them. Uh, other leaders are meeting with them, of course, that across that first 100 days. So there's a great system and plan in place to get engagement and just really get them aligned with the culture, core values, and the teams and all in. And people that really get into it, man, the, it, it just skyrockets. It really is a big boost to how they get integrated into the company. That is awesome. I'm just taking so many notes. I love I mean, I've never heard of somebody taking so much care about an employee's first day. It's just so such a painful time, especially for introverts, because <laughs> everything is just new, 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 new. And then it working remotely and it just feels so awkward. And so I I think that's a really brilliant strategy. And it's funny to me. I think I now, you do digital marketing and I do communication coaching, but communication coaching is at the end of the day marketing for the yeah. professional, right? Absolutely. So I'm always looking for opportunities for people to up level their collateral, their assets. And, you know, the other day, an accountant I was talking to, she, she didn't have a professional photograph. So I was like, get a good picture for heaven's <laughs> sakes. Let that speak for your brand when you're not yeah. in the room. But how about at first employees first day as an opportunity to really nail that culture uh, fit and practice what you preach. And just since, it, since the bar is so low, I don't think it would take that much to make it the best first day ever. I mean, I'm not denigrating your. Yeah your work there but i i just have never heard of somebody having a really good first day of work so right. good for you that's very clever yes it's very it's i think it really sets the tone it's yes! and so and and don't get me wrong like we a big part of our core values is accountability that mm -hmm. growth factor so we have high expectations but mm -hmm. we also have a fun component to that too so here's one thing i'll share we we set the tone of you can work hard and play hard. A lot of people think they're separate things. Right. I think it's work hard, play hard is one. And as a leader, I need to show that to give permission to everybody else. And so part of that is I say that like, listen, we should have fun. We're not saving lives with what we do. <laughs> we should have now clients spend a lot of money with us and they have high expectations as they should. And that's going to create stress at times. But if we can have more fun while doing it, we're going to mm -hmm. do better work. The client's going to feel that vibe and that energy, and the team is going to feel better about it. And so I don't want them thinking and worry about work when they go home at night. I right. want them thinking about how much fun they're having and how passionate they are, and they want to get better, and they want to do great work, and they love that challenge and that push. And mm -hmm. so that's also setting that tone day one and across that first 100 days, giving them permission to be that way, as opposed to, I can't talk to the CEO. The org chart says, I need to talk to this person. I give them permission to reach out to me instantly and just oh, saying, that's like, amazing. and I give them permission to give me feedback. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we all have to give permission to give feedback. And so I just tell them, listen, if you have a challenge with the way I'm doing something or a question or feedback, whatever, give it to me, please. I welcome it. 
Um, wait, wait. But so you say that you always like if I'm your boss and I want to tell you you're you're doing something wrong, I have to ask your permission to give you that. No, feedback? I'm saying that I'm going to give you permission right now. So if we were working together, I would say, Laura, I want you to know you have my permission to always give me feedback. But me, meaning like a lot of times there's this like human wall that gets put up because, mm-hmm, oh, I'm going to offend mm-hmm. them. I might hurt their feelings. Right. Right, right. I hear about what's, that every single day. So, but what's worse, if I hurt Laura's feelings today, but I didn't help her get better. Exactly. Right? And it turns out you thought you're going to hurt my feelings. It doesn't hurt my feelings. You know, no. it's a misperception. Yes. So I actually, I do a weekly video every Friday, I send out a video to the team. And it's just kind of a quick update on a few things, but I try to challenge them too. And, and about a month ago, that was one thing I did is I said, hey, we all need to give the team you work on permission for feedback. You need to give the client accounts you work on permission to give feedback. And as your leader, I'm giving you permission from me. If you ever have feedback for me, please give it to me, share it with me. And so again, you have to set that example as a leader. If I yell at somebody, I've given everybody permission to yell at work now. Right. So you can you do, have. There's good ones and bad ones. And you certainly don't want to do the bad ones. Right. Oh, I love that. So you give from the get go give me, do you, do you tell them like, be nice or be kind or <laughs> gentle well, or here's an amazing filter to use on how to give feedback, attack the problem, not the person. Mm-hmm. So often mm-hmm. we, we start to solve the problem with, well, Laura, you mm-hmm. did this mm-hmm. as, as opposed to, okay, in this meeting, I noticed that, uh, when we were talking about such and such, it got a little negative or you became really closed off and, and, and it really was kind of off-putting to the client. I'm sharing this because I want to help you get better. One of our core values. I want to help right. you get better at that. And so you also can't just scrape off your plate, that problem back onto theirs. You need mm-hmm. to be part of the solution or willing to be part of the solution. So this might be something I'm strong at. So I would say, Laura, I feel like I'm pretty good at this and I would really love to help one, help you get better, but two, hold you accountable to that. How can I help you do that? And now oh. it might be a little bit of a mentoring situation. It might be that um, in the post meeting, we have a little huddle real quick to say, hey, you did really good at that. Uh, you didn't fall into that old bad habit. Um, and then two meetings later, the pressure was put on. Guess what? You reverted to it. And I said, okay, I noticed when the client turned up the heat and you kind of reverted back to that. I get that. I used to do the same thing. Let's talk about how when that heat gets turned up, we don't fall back to those old bad habits. And so you're, you're mentoring, you're coaching, you're you're helping solve the problem. Or you would say, you know what? I actually am not great at this either, but Dustin on the team, he helped me get over this hurdle as well. Why don't you guys talk and I'll connect you and and help solve that problem. All right, everybody listening out there. I just want to say you're welcome because you just got (laughs) some brilliant, a perspective, really a different way of looking at giving feedback and giving people permission to give you feedback, attacking the problem, not the person. And I, I love that you're you're not waiting, of course, for the annual performance review. That's just the most yes. ridiculous thing ever. And, um, you know, really uh, help it. And I always say, what is your purpose? You're not you know, giving feedback because you enjoy criticizing people. It's to help them grow. And everybody wants to grow. And we're all doing the best we can. If we knew how to do better, we would already be doing better. So um, we're running out of time. We have just a little bit left. I want to hit on a couple of things more. Um, So Mark, you've been in business a long time. You've grown a successful company. 
I want you to imagine uh, somebody who works in a large company who has a team uh, or maybe say four or five reports who all have teams and that person is really uh, wanting to make it uh, to the next level and they're they're kind of concerned about communicating as a senior leader. So what 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 is the difference between communicating as a senior leader versus a you know director senior manager? Yeah, so obviously I've had to learn this as I've gone and and you know when you have a team of 10, 25, 50, 75, 100, 170, it gets different. And so yeah. I have learned um the bigger we've gotten, I have learned that my words are dissected and inspected very much. And so I have to be very intentional to not set false alarms uh, with the words that I use. So I think I'm saying one thing. Part of the team may hear that. The other part, team part of the team might hear oh my gosh, sky is falling. And I'm like, how in the heck did you hear that? So you have to just be a little bit more intentional about your words and your messaging as opposed to, mm -hmm. I'm pretty, I think it, I say it, that can be good, right. it can be bad. Right. So now on the big, bigger stage um, with our size, I definitely have to slow down, think about that and be very intentional with, with my words. And the other thing I would say is I'm thinking a lot now about how I can communicate through other leaders it doesn't mm -hmm. all have to come from me. There's certain messages, absolutely. But that's the thing. Don't let my ego get in the way of how that should be delivered. I need to make sure that the message is being delivered in the best channel as possible. Channel can be email. It can be words. It can be written. It could be a person. And so I just want my leadership cup to overflow into those, uh, I say above me. I look at, I'm supporting the uh, org chart from the bottom mm -hmm. up. But I want my cups to overflow the leaders that I lead, theirs to overflow and hopefully have that cascade throughout the organization. Because sometimes that message does need to have their own little spin put on it. So mm -hmm. um, another thing that we've started to do as a leadership team is we try to put like five or six bullet points of the key things we want to communicate out on a quarterly basis. Now you can take that and interpret it how, you know, within reason on your own, but we want to make sure that those key points get hit on and, and repeated frequently as well. Wait, um, I want to I want to stop you there because I want to. So these are like four or five quarterly talking points or priorities. Yeah, and so I would what, say, what would so, be an example of one that applies to digital? I don't know, ad creator and an accountant. Like, what would be an example? Um, so I'm trying to think of our last quarter, some of the main ones. So, um, well, right now there's a lot of talk about the economy. So right. just coming up with some talking points around that of saying like, we're okay. So here's, here's been my messaging that I've said to the company and to our team. We're okay. There's pressure. It's weird. It's kind of funky. So mm -hmm. let's be real about it. Let's not, not talk about it. There are layoffs happening. We're in a healthy position. Now let's attack this as an opportunity because for digital marketing in the last 10 years, it's kind of been easy street. A lot of right. agencies that maybe aren't great at what they actually do have been looking to be okay. And clients just didn't know that that wasn't or couldn't be better. Well, right. now they're going to start asking questions. So I'm telling our team, hey, let's do audits for those people that are interested in seeing if there is a more efficient way. Because I know our team, I know what we can do. So let's look at this as an opportunity, not, a, oh my gosh, batting on the hatches, everybody take shelter and we hope to make it through the other side this is the time to speak loudly and, 
and confidently to the team, not arrogantly, confidently to the team of saying, we will get through this. We're going to lead you through this. And actually, we're going to accelerate through this. And we have a history of doing that. 08, 09, we accelerated through it and grew. COVID absolutely accelerated and grew. Because, so here's a great little thing. You make your worst decisions in the best of times. And so when times get a little tougher, like they are now, what does it do? It puts a microscope on those previously made decisions that were really bad. If you don't have any skeletons that are going to get exposed, you're in a really good position to accelerate and grow through it because those other companies are going to have problems. They're going to lay off great talent. Let's scoop it up. Uh, That's going to lead to clients that had a good relationship all of a sudden getting fractured and being open to talking to us. We're going to come in and say, we've always had a great team. It keeps getting stronger. You want to be a part of this? You want us to show you how you can perform better? We'll do that for free. They're going to listen to that. And so um, it's just, I see it as an opportunity to grow and accelerate through in, in times like this. And so I that communication that. is critical. Right. It is critical. And, and sometimes when I'm delivering a message or just like your, people say, Oh, I'm, I appreciate you're being so positive, but I don't see it as being positive. I see it as being <laughs> truthful because there is an opportunity and people will, People are going to end up better. Are are you going to be one of them? And I going to be one of them that we don't, you know, but we can definitely plan on it. Um, But I I think when you, when you're saying what you expect to happen based on lived experience, that you're really not being so much positive as just being, this is the way I expect it to roll. And, you know, you're the... The, the big cheese there. So if you expect it to be good, then I mean, other people will be more likely to follow your lead. And, you know, if every, there is such thing as negativity bias and we are all like wired to prepare for the worst. And it does take leadership to go beyond what the obvious bad side of things and look for the opportunity, but that's where the gold is. Absolutely. You said, you know, there's current, and it's going to push mm-hmm. you one way or another. So if you're just treading water and just trying to maintain, that current will absolutely take you. And it's probably yes. going to push you in the wrong direction. So if you take control of it and you have intentionality about how you're growing, what you're doing to get better as an individual, as a, as a team, as a company, for your clients, we now can control that. And so that's that get better every day mentality. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if you're not, mm-hmm. then we're going to get passed by somebody hungrier than us, more agile than us is going to come in. Because I guarantee every one of our clients... They're getting calls, they're getting emails, they're getting pieces in the mail, wanting the piece of business we have. Right, so right, right. we have to stay just as a great, I always tell our team, it's like, act like this business is new all the time. Because if we I get complacent, it. complacency, mm-hmm. oh, it's such an evil thing, right? And so it I is. have to be careful as a leader. Oh, there's never a moment of, I made it, right? That's complacency right. at its worst. So we always have to be kind of pushing ourselves to, to stay on top of our game so that we can, mm-hmm. in, in the business world, win that next championship. I, again, the sports analogies, but <laughs> how do you keep winning them? How do you keep at, at that level of performance and, and maintain that? Oh, my, this is so interesting, guys. So even if you work for, you know, Fortune 100 companies, I know a lot of you out there do, or you work for in software, you work in technology, and you don't have a technology, you don't have a digital marketing company this applies to you also you need to be better every single day i think this has been a great uh, in a way you could see it as a pep talk encouragement but uh backed by uh 
lived experience, success, lots of specific tips about hiring for culture, uh, living the culture, implementing the culture. You've gotten some good key interview questions that you can use because we're, you know, if you're not interviewing today, you'll be interviewing next month. It's always like that. Um, what else did we, what else did I write down? You know, um, about attracting a, a players to your team, whether you're hiring internally or externally. Uh, Mark gave you a great uh, funny question about your walk-up song to your desk, about how you can leverage the first hundred days of your new, your next employee, even if you don't work for Spinutech, but you work for Nestle, you can make that first day special. I also like the weekly video idea. And and I know that, uh, you know, that's something that, that some people do as long as you're keeping it short, I guess. And that helps uh, yeah. people to, to watch it. So this has been very, this has been diamond studded, you know, gold, platinum, very valuable to our audience. Thank you so much. I'll let you have the last word. Um, you know, what, how you would like to close this conversation. I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom bombs. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all those kind words. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm obviously passionate about this. Love to talk about it. If anybody wants to continue the conversation, you can find me on LinkedIn, Mark with a C and Reifenrath, which is hard, R-E-I-F-E-N-R-A-T-H, or you can go to spinnytech.com and reach out to me there too. But uh, I would love to talk about any of these topics because uh, obviously I, I enjoy it very much and would love to share the, the any knowledge I do have that I can share. So thank you for having That's me. That's right. That was my pleasure. And even <laughs> though I said I was going to give you the last word, I changed my mind <laughs> <laughs> because I just, you just made me think, you know, what I'm always ranting about and teaching is the the, comp, the connection between culture and communication. And, and even though we didn't bring up that topic explicitly, almost every point you made had to do with how you communicate those core values is building your culture, how you ask those interview questions, how you give and ask for that feedback is implementing and building your culture. So thank you for that. Okay, guys, I'm sorry to say the interview is closing for today. I will catch you on the next episode. And thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.